What's up guys, it's Shaker from Quad Hunting and welcome to the new setup. Um, it's going to be this way for at least a little bit while I'm uh, finishing up with the move from Florida back to Michigan. This is my parents' house, I'm back in my parents' house and this is actually the room where I first started making my YouTube videos so that's kind of cool. Um, this is the old den and right now, I mean if you look behind me, it's my brother's all set up and everything over there. But today, yep, the, this podcast episode is coming out a little late. Um, recorded with Kellen before the move and then this just got lost in the shuffle of all the things I had to do before I moved. Um, so this is still going to have my old apartment background. It's uh, Kellen and I had a wonderful conversation about, um, again, because it's such a prevalent thing right now, COVID was a thing we talked about. We talked, we did get into some sports talk though, which was really nice. Um, as now sports have come back in America with the NBA, but um, I think they actually tipped off. I can't remember. I'm this weekend was a long one, so I'll talk, I'll do a podcast here soon about the whole move and everything, and let's get into the conversation with Kellen. So Kellen, it's been a long time since we've talked, probably since I decided to leave GVSU, and you're still there, right? Yes, I have one semester to go. I am done in December, yes. See, that's a lot of, a lot of us have, we, like, we were all on the path to, like, finish in the middle of the year instead of finishing yeah. the traditional because Noah, I think D'Angelo was probably the only one that stopped, that actually that actually like finished like <laughs> on <did>. time. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm actually I'll actually be early because of the because this past semester I came in and I did like I did like 37 credits in one year with an internship at the Sentinel Holy and cow. Uh, independent study with Lowenstein about the whole um, institutional censorship with Coach Berger and everything. So, um, but yeah, so I got I got 12 more credits to take. I'm taking four classes just so I get, can stay on financial aid. But yeah, I'm almost done. It feels it feels weird because it feels like just yesterday I was like the little freshman sitting in the after the whistle meeting, right? <laughs> do stuff. But now, oh yeah, that first everything. that first after the whistle meeting. So, oh my goodness! Uh, after the yeah. whistle was a uh, it was a student run sports show that Kellen and I were both a part of, and I think we both had our time as leadership positions in that show. Correct. Correct. And so. <laughs> yeah i wrote i wrote scripts for probably two years for that show or something yeah when i when i took over as the director the the sports director and you went i'll write the scripts i went thank god i don't yeah. have to deal with that <laughs> yeah but because after the whistle has since has since passed away yeah i kind of figured for it. eventually it was gonna that was gonna happen with it with it uh right. us all leaving right. But, you know, some of the greatest shows only last two or three seasons, and that's exactly. what we. So that's what I. That's that's how I look at it, <laughs> as a positive that way. So, I mean, yeah, we uh, we both like because when I took over after the whistle, the main focus for me was I hated kind of how it was with it. Just we just read someone would write a script and then we would just read it. But yeah, here's what happened. I wanted it to be more of a like a, like a free flowing conversation. Free, like yeah, yeah. And to where you have hosts and co-hosts that actually get to show personalities and show their different sides and actually give opinions on it because we weren't after the whistle really wasn't opinion based when we started. It was just, right. it was like, just here's your local sports news. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we did win show of the year, uh, the year that <laughs> D'Angelo graduated, I think. So yeah, the year, uh, 
where pretty much we were the only thing going on. Yeah, that's still that's still an award. That's still, still an award. award. I have it somewhere. Resume. I put that on my resume. I'm sure it helped me get hired at Fox. Yeah. Yeah, I have it in here somewhere. For that was that was funny. I mean, yeah, we won. We were first place out of like two, but we yeah. won. <laughs> yeah, we won. It's it's a win. A win's a win. A win is a win. A win is a win. You can't as a Lions fan, you can't ever complain about a win. Oh my goodness, yes. Don't even get me started. I I I don't think this season is gonna happen on time, but if it does, I am so excited to convince myself that the Lions can start like four and one and then they every go year. Yeah, it's just a never ending cycle at this point. So before we get into sports, I wanna talk let's let's talk about a little bit about news because now you're working in news. So what exactly I are am. you doing? So I am an assignment editor over at Fox 17. So the way I describe it to people is I'm halfway between a secretary and a reporter. So I'll still like answer the phone. I'll answer emails. I'll help coordinate interviews for reporters and stuff. But I'll also like do Zoom interviews on my own. I'll write our online articles, like the breaking news stuff. I'll kind of write that. Like if there's a fire, if there's, um, you know, a drowning, a missing person report, I'll write that. I'll go out and film, and then I also go out and film stuff every Saturday, and then in a pinch, I've gone out and filmed stuff as well. So I've been working there. Let's see, I got hired like mid-December. I actually heard about them through the career fair, like those journalism mm-hmm. career fairs they used to have. I went to one of those, and they were like, the, the, the boss there, my boss there, Brooks, called me up. I was in a mire Tuesday morning, and he was like, hey, you want to come stop by the station? And ever since then, I've worked there for like seven months. and it's been, It's been a lot of fun. It's a little weird because I'm the only person there that's like, that's like around everybody. Everybody else there is like 24 or older, so I mm-hmm. still feel like the young kid. But I mean, that's what <laughs> I felt it after the whistle, so I'm kind of used to that. <laughs> yeah, we both actually work for the same parent company. Yeah, uh, scripts. Scripps. Scripps. I, I, their handling of the coronavirus has really made me stay. Like when I was looking, when I'm look as I'm looking for a new job, like their handling of the coronavirus has made me want to stay inside of the Scripps Corporation. Uh, oh, for sure. They've been really great. I mean, no one's been laid off. No one's been and had – the lives haven't been impacted severely because people at the we, top decided we to haven't take even, the, We haven't even had anybody furloughed. Like, it's yeah. like, it's crazy to think that, like, everybody has – like, I've actually – a lot of people actually have gotten more hours. Like, I was part-time that first couple months I worked there, and I had to work full-time probably the first two months of the pandemic just because – so many people were at home that they needed people to physically be in the station. Mm-hmm. So when you guys do like a show now, like how many people are in this, are physically there at the studio to produce the show? Um, I think we have for our evening shows, we have three, sh- three half hour shows and we have two producers in the building. Okay. Typically two directors. And then it's our news director and our assistant news director. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much the only people in the building. Wow. Yeah. We have, we have about that same number. It'll be like one of us at the desk, usually me or three other people. And then it'll, we, our producers are our, are our tech directors. So like they'll, they'll also like produce the show and like sit there and like direct who goes where and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have the anchors, obviously. We'll have like tech guys in the back to make sure that like the cameras all work and stuff. And then that's, pretty much it so like i'll do sunday and monday nights i'd say for those shows there's probably five or six people in the building which is yep. kind of crazy to think about that like that like i'm like 20 percent of the building when i'm there so it's, it's yeah it was odd going from every day struggling to find a parking spot to now every day parking like in the first spot next to the building oh 
Oh yeah, it's so weird. It's so weird. It's it's. I don't. I know. I, I I've actually now worked much longer there with the coronavirus, so I'm almost more used to it. Do you guys like have to wear like masks and like clean off your keyboards and stuff? Yep. Everything like that. Yep. Okay. Every day. Every. I mean, even because like right now I'm training my replacement. Okay. Which is it's training people during the whole uh, social distancing era is really it's interesting. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Because like it's every part of me wants to cut, like get up like right behind them and go like okay no 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 this, this and this now I have to like stand six feet back and like glare at the screen like what's yeah. he doing so that's kind of weird but for the most part it's going along fine but it's been uh yeah as when I started at WTXL we had we were on our old set and then I had so I had to learn how to direct that for two months and then we went okay. to a temporary set which we were on for about another two months while they built our new set. Yeah. So we had to learn how to direct for temporary set. And then we had to learn how to direct for the new set. And then we had to learn how to direct for remote anchors and remote everything. And it got, that's what I said. I've learned four different, pretty much it's four different companies version of directing. Yeah. All within the I, year I've been there. I've just gotten a hold of like our schedule and our planner and like the system we use to like, to like, devise live shots and like coordinated from the computer with like frame syncs and digeros and everything mm -hmm. and that's all going to go out the window soon when we do N enps so that's okay, where I, you I use feel like I'm, I'm like just getting my footing and now it's like <laughs> everything's going to change again so I'm, I'm back to square one but i mean everybody's back to square one so i guess i guess that'll be helpful for both of us because we both have been good at with like adaptability and everything so mm -hmm. hopefully that works out well I that's that's everyone kept saying like this is a great resume builder yeah. And I'm like, at what point do is, is it, this isn't a great resume builder anymore. This is just, this is it. <laughs> Plus it's like everybody's on equal playing field because everybody is doing something different for the coronavirus. So yep. it's not like, I don't know. It's, it's not like a different thing for any, for anybody. So it's a really, it, it's been a really interesting eye-opening time. I mean, when you started out at the beginning of the year, you had the whole world war three thing going on with Iran and the tensions heating up there. And the president got impeached, and that's not going to be like one of it's the. It's not even going to be headlines of the year. It's going to be yeah. like it's going to be in the small print in the textbooks. Exactly, exactly. It's it's so it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre to live in the time we live and to be working in news right now. It's yeah, so bizarre. That's what I said. I said we all picked a hell of a time to graduate and get into the news yeah. world. Yeah, Jesus, it's just so <laughs> it's so it's so complex. Every day, every day, it's like. It's almost weird that I've almost gotten like I've it's all it's become normal almost like now I see like in Michigan like there'll be like 430 cases in a day and we'll put that out on our website and I'm just like used to that but now but like when you look back and think about it like 430 people got diagnosed with that disease today and that's just what we know about like there could be many other people mm -hmm. and so it's just like you're kind of desensitized to it now at this point, at least I am for sure. I don't know about you, but it's just like, it's weird to think about that. Like that kind of stuff is just not a big deal to you anymore. Just cause it's like an everyday thing almost. And you hear it every day working in news. That's why yeah. I always said, I hate local news cause you only hear the bad. Yeah. That's not necessarily true, but that's, we focus more on the bad than you do the good. That's true. But I mean, a lot of, a lot of local news is breaking news. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of breaking news is inherently bad, you yeah. know? A lot of it is car crashes and fires and deaths and missing people and all that stuff. And like, 
so that we kind of have a responsibility to share all that stuff but at the same time we get tons of people that comment on our page like be more positive like the numbers are like you're inflating the numbers and everything and like we're not we're just doing our job and that's all we got that's all we can do right now until there's a vaccine until it until there's you know it's just not going to be normal for a long time and i mm-hmm. think a lot of people are just used to that at this point so. yeah i remember when i was home around the fourth of july and my mom who's a doctor in the state of Michigan was talking about how they hit like, yeah, 400 new cases. And that was a high number in a single day. And I went, what's your whole total for this last week? And she said it was somewhere near like 4,000. Wow. And I was like, the state of Florida every day has been over 10,000 for like the past week, 10,000 new cases every day. Didn't you guys just break the record? Like, last week of like the most cases in one day you had like more cases than like denmark had combined like something like that yeah yeah that's what our now one of our anchors because a lot of times our anchors are the ones that are in um that are in charge of updating the numbers for the uh for the shows Uh and one of our evening anchors he's made it his mission to like compare here's how many cases florida has that's more than this whole country has combined yeah and that really gives it, it puts it in yeah. perspective. What's it like living in Florida right now? Like, you're, is, is, does any like are there a ton of masks around everywhere? Like, is it just like what what's like what's that like? You like you're at the epicenter of it right now. So, so what's that? I'm in right now. I'm in Tallahassee, and okay. because I'm going to be unemployed by the time this airs, <laughs> I really um, I think our governors handled this really poorly. Um, uh-huh. But he, uh, we have not had a mask mandate sent down from the government. Okay. Uh, it's okay. been it's been up to local governments to enforce to put the mandates out and enforce those. Uh-huh. And uh, so our county does have a mask mandate that whenever anytime you're in a building, you have to be wearing a mask. But okay. there's nothing about when you're outside. You'll do see okay. a lot of masks. And right now, Tallahassee is kind of in its dead period still, an extended dead period, because yeah. um, the Capitol's not in session, and Florida State's not doing anything right now either. So two of our biggest reasons why people are here aren't around, so there's not a lot of people here. Are the beaches, like, are the, are the beaches still closed? Like, do people still go to those? Oh, beaches are still open. Okay. Um, I don't know. Southern Florida, I think down in, like, Miami, they still have problems, and they're still uh-huh. trying to limit but like, yeah, you can go to almost any beach right now and be, no one will even bat an eye. I feel like half the vid- the viral videos I see of like people on beaches like, like are come from Florida, and so mm-hmm. it's just like you think that like there's so many people that like, it's a weird conundrum because like you look at those and you're in news every day and you think why are you spreading this? Why why are you making us have to post these numbers every day? But you and I both know, being in our early twenties, that like in we want to be out there. We both want to be out there. We want to be like, like I just turned twenty. This is my. I just turned twenty-one two months ago. Like I want to be out there and I want to legally drink it. I don't. I want to be able for the first time in my life to like have a drink and not like hide it in my backpack or something. Like this is like this is and and I just can't and I but I also just like don't want to. So it's that whole like debate of like what do you what do you do that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, but, it, it goes like we. Um... One of our, our one of our former producers got married this last weekend. Yeah. And that's what we were like. You're at the church sitting there, and you're like, "Am I sitting too close to people? Should I be wearing my mask while I'm sitting here? Should I like? Is that weird?" And then you go to the reception afterwards, and you're like, 
I don't know if we should like, should there be a dance floor? Like it was, you're, you're constantly questioning everything right now. Everybody and, I know that's supposed to get married is just pushing it back. Yeah. Just pushing it back just because there's so many variables that like it's impossible to know about. For my dad, dude, it's a huge thing because he's he's a curriculum director over at Zealand, and so like the Zealand public schools, and so he's the people he's like meeting with high school principals and elementary school principals about like how they're supposed to like deal with all this. Like, there's so many variables to think about with all of it. Like, what do you do for lunchtime? What do you do for recess? What do you do with kids in the hallway? Like, what do you like? There's so many like interact little interaction mm -hmm. things you have to worry about that it's just like I don't know, man. It's a crazy time do you think what percentage would you give to college sports happening in the fall because i i want to put it at zero percent right now i honestly i honestly think i've covered my last gv football game i am kind of along the same lines as that um i still put it at probably maybe a 20 percent chance of happening there's okay. so much money involved and yeah. we know how the ncaa feels about money Right, right. But at the same time, I was talking to one of our meteorologists at the station I work at, and his, his whole comment was, because I said, I know for sure the NFL is going to have a season because they're bound and determined that's going to happen. Yeah. And he said, with college football, he goes, can you justify it when those players aren't getting paid? And if there's campuses aren't allowing people on campus, how do you justify college athletes being able to still go and still play well I, yeah i see the stories about like ohio state where they're making their players sign waivers so that they're not the school is not liable if they get coronavirus where it's like of course the school is liable if you you and i have both been at football practices before there's no mm -hmm. way that you can be participate in a football practice and not come in contact with at least 15 to 20 people even if you're socially distancing so like i i just i think that like I would I would say if I were to if I were to bet on it I would say that like uh, conferences like the Big Ten the SEC will play their like conference games with no fans in a controlled setting, but like Grand Valley is not going to have games and like D three schools around us D two D three not going to have games. Uh, I would worry about MAC schools like Western and mm -hmm. Central and stuff because those are the schools that count the most on their football budget and that's just not going to be there. So. Yeah, I was, that's what one I said to, I think I said last week on last week's podcast that your those schools are losing the money that they get from those games that they would play against yeah. the big 10 or any of those other schools. And now you don't have that money. And what yeah. does that do for the programs? Cause now, you know, the softball program might be at risk of being cut because they're not getting the money from this one football game that would fund their entire season. Yeah. So, or like, what do you do with recruiting? What do you do if, if kids are seniors this year? Do they get their season back? What do you do if you're, if you're still in high school right now? Like, how do you, how do you take scholar? Like there's only a limited amount of scholarships. How do you take them away from other people? It's just so confusing and so bizarre, man. I just, I've, I've come to terms with the fact that I've just covered my last Grand Valley football game for the Lanthorn. I've just come to terms with it. Cause I just don't think there's going to be any sort of football in the fall for sure. I, I'm starting to, I, I really feel that way about the small schools for sure. And I definitely don't think big schools are safe either right now. No, um, no. I definitely see that. Like we don't like, I, I was, I said, definitely said last week, the impact from this will be felt for 
five years from now. Yeah. When the seniors this year in high school are supposed to be seniors in college, mm. is there going to be a, and then when they're looking to go into the NFL, is there going to be a talent drop off because of all of this? We well, don't know what's gonna, going on. I think there's going to be a talent drop off in general, and this is a whole separate conversation, but I think tackle football as we know it is not going to be a thing in like 15, 20 years. I think that just that, I mean, I, uh, I previously refed uh, youth football here in Zealand for seven to eight years. And when I started, there were like, you know, six or seven teams worth of kids. And you could create a league just off of Zealand teams alone. Mm-hmm. And now you can barely field one team of kids that want to play football just because of so many things from concussion protocol to the, the advancement of, of youth soccer in the fall to kids focusing on one sport like basketball or baseball. I just think that like tackle football as we know it as a game is eventually going to get to a point where boxing is, where it's like it's still a thing, and there's still going to be primetime matchups of it, but like the talent pool is just going to be so limited because so many people just see it as such a violent sport. I just, I just don't think that like I'll be, I'll be like, I bet the NFL will still be around, but like by the time I have kids, I don't think we're going to see the NFL. I don't think the NFL is going to be what we know it is now. Well, that's or a any, really or any, interesting or any, topic. Or any tackle football at this point. That's a really interesting topic. There. I mean, I mean, do you want do you want your kid to play football? Would you want your kid to play tackle football? Because with everything that I've yeah. seen with the Aaron Hernandez documentary, like obviously, I don't think that I'm going to raise a guy who's going to for sure murder three people. But I like I I you know I don't what what if he gets a concussion? What if those those problems deal with him the rest of his life? I don't I saw that in football practice. I saw that in high school practices. I. We had a running back on our team who had five concussions and was not medically cleared to play after the sixth. I was there when he got his fourth. It was our my sophomore year, his junior year at Muskegon, mm-hmm. and he was in the huddle and he could like he had to hold his hands up like you're doing kindergarten to determine your left and your right to know what direction he was going to look on the next play. Like he couldn't tell which was left and which was right in the huddle, and he was like about to go out and play some more. And that was five years ago. Like there's no way that football as we know it is going to exist in 15 to 20 years. I think it's going to go, there's going to be uh, tackle football and there's going to be a flag football. And I think they're both going to get about equal funding, which means tackle football funding is going to decrease a lot. I don't know. Do you, sorry to ramble a little bit. No, but no, like, no. I like this conversation. Do you, do you want your kid to play tackle football? Cause honestly, I don't, yeah, I would honestly have to say no. I don't want my kid to play tackle football. I really don't, unless there's some sort of new helmet that comes out in the next couple of years that can like, that can like almost guarantee my kid doesn't get a concussion. I don't want him to play football. You also have to add in like just normal injuries. Yeah, exactly. And like football like, just inherently is a violent, dangerous sport. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I I'm with you on this now. Like, that I think is. That- I think that from a camaraderie aspect and like a, the whole aspect of like the life lessons you learn from football, I want my kid to learn those lessons, mm-hmm. but I think you can learn those in any, playing any team sport. Yeah. I don't think you need to play football to learn those. I want my kid to play like basketball and baseball. I want my kid to do whatever, what, whatever my kid wants to do. You know, I don't want like, I, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm going to lead him to not playing football just because I don't want to, I don't want to damage his health. For the long term, I've seen it especially happen. Especially when they're so young. Yeah, exactly. 
There's a kid. My brother plays. My brother plays um, on the JV basketball team. There's a kid on his team who got two concussions this past freshman year, and he's gonna and he's gonna he might have to take like remedial education classes now. Like it it, it happens at that young of an age. Like I don't want I don't want that to happen to my kid. You know. <coughs> and also, if you're listening or watching, we're not calling parents who play let their kids play football bad parents. Like no 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 no. no, no. It's, it's, you're a bad parent if you force your kid to play something they don't want to do. Exactly, exactly. And if, if your kid wants to play football and you teach them the safe way to do it, and you teach them the safe way how to tackle and, and to have good and to have good health and to, you know, take proper water breaks and do stretching before practice and all those great things, then I don't think it's a bad thing. But I don't see a world right now where I sign my kid up to play tackle football maybe until at least middle school or high school. Like yeah. youth football is a for sure no. That's not going to happen. You yeah, know, I, that's, I don't, that's too I don't dangerous watch. then. Exactly, exactly. Even though they, people are like, well, they're so small. How can they – they don't know what they're doing. But that's exactly and, and when you, Yeah, when you, when you give a kid a helmet, first thing a kid wants to do is launch himself at somebody. It's not just the helmet, it's the pads. Yeah. If you if you cover your kid from head to toe in shoulder pads and pants and stuff and they're like and you're like, Okay, you're covered and safe now, they're gonna fling themselves at people. You and I were both there. We, you played you played I'm assuming you played tackle football at some point, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, like youth football. Like you, you, you see those pads and you think to yourself, Oh, I'm safe. I can do whatever I want. Like it's it's a thought that everybody has. And so like I, I don't want to come off as an evil parent. And like, I'm not going to say no if my kid wants to play football, but I'm going to lean him heavily into not doing it. You know, mm-hmm. I've just gotten to that point. I think that yeah, this is a topic that wasn't on the docket, but I'm really no, liking this. No, one. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, it's just, I think it's just an interesting conversation to have with people our age just because like, we're going to be having kids like in the next five, 10 years. And so. yeah. And we're such big fans of it. Yeah. Like, and I think, I think your I think our kids can still be fans of football without actually playing it. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I played it for a few years and was like, ah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we're going to, I think we see more kids like that than we see kids that play it all throughout all youth and all high school. Like I did. Like, I, I just think that that's just going to become the norm now. I, would not be surprised if you're right on this. I would definitely, yeah. I'm leaning towards that side now. Yeah. So we do have a couple topics because. Smooth, smooth transition. Smooth to transitions. Football? Really smooth, smooth transition to Lions football. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the, like we said, I believe the NFL season will happen come hell or high water. They're bound and determined. Do you think it's going to happen? Do you think it's going to happen on time? I'm not 100% on that. Okay. But there were rumors back when the schedule was getting released that they were purposely going to put conference games towards the end of the season just in case. Yeah. But they didn't. The Lions played, I think, three conference games within the first five weeks of the season. Yeah. So that will be weird if those game, if they do have to push it back. I mean, you don't want to lose those conference games because those are or the division games because those are the most important yeah. games of the season. And those so, are the games that probably get the best ratings too. That's probably the games that the most people are going to watch. Yeah, Steelers, Ravens. Yeah. Or, yeah, you you want to play, you want those are the big money games. Yeah. So I don't know if the season's going to happen on time. I know it will happen because <clears throat> they've been so. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. 
they just got to come to an agreement with the players. We'll see if when that happens. But How one is of the there things no plan in place already. I like, know we had, that's what we. It was like a six or seven week news cycle of like, oh, the NBA bubble. They're developing this now. They're developing this now. They're developing this now. And it was all a solid plan. And just Monday, there's no positive tests in the bubble, and they're probably going to play the whole season. Oh yeah, and everything like. But there's you don't hear anything about that with the NFL. That's what somebody said. The NFL was the only sports league to have the benefit of time, and, and they didn't still waste it. it. Yeah. I mean, the NBA, I'm applauding the NBA because I didn't think it was going to happen. When I first heard about the bubble, like, yeah. I didn't think it was going to happen, but they're taking it seriously. They're making sure it's going to happen, and they've done it. They've handled the entire thing probably the best out of any pro sport. There's one thing that makes me nervous, and this is kind of a cynic point of view, mm-hmm. but they've said that once they get to the final eight teams, they're going to bring families into the bubble. I feel like a family is going to bring in the virus. Yeah, you, that's, you have more potential – because then you're because then you're bringing in hundreds of normal people who mm-hmm. haven't been in a bubble, who haven't been contained. Like at that point, like that that makes me nervous. But I think that the whole regular season, the first round of the playoffs, is definitely going to happen. Oh yeah, for, for NBA. Um, but the N- the NFL, they're still t- going back and forth with the players on. We want the season to happen. The players want the season to happen. They're just not coming together on testing and. A lot of that stuff. But the NFL and the players have both agreed that they'd be in favor for shutting down the preseason and not having a preseason. I kind of go, this is a good thing and it's also a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. Because the preseason, it's the most boring football of the year. Yeah. You're seeing a lot of people that you won't ever see play football again play football. So it's important Mm -hmm. for those players. And it's definitely important for those players for what I'll get to in a little bit. But on the flip side, players need those games to knock off yeah. rust, to impress the coaches, to impress a coach on a different team. This is where a lot of players, a lot of the bottom tier players in the NFL win jobs. Yeah. And if it's not going to happen, I didn't think I think the depth in this year's NFL is going to be among the worst it's ever been. Yeah, absolutely. And if the preseason does, there's all these implications you got to think about besides those bottom tier guys. Like if you think about a more big picture, there's teams that have starting quarterback battles right now mm-hmm. with the, the Chicago bears who who's going to start between Trubisky and Foles. It's probably going to be Trubisky because Foles doesn't get a preseason. He doesn't get a preseason I mean, and the off season to gel with the players. If you go right into the regular season, we're definitely going to see more injuries because the preseason is a chance for everybody to like get their legs back under them and have knock off rust and, have, yeah. and, and knock off rust. Like I think they should at least do, and they talked about this before, but I think they should at least do like just two preseason mm-hmm. games just to like get everybody good. Do one where it's like the starters play like half the time and then do one where the starters play a series and you get everybody. That's your chance to like make the team mm-hmm. at that point. And you, everybody still gets those two or three weeks of practice to prove they can make the roster and everything. And then at that point, then you go right into the season. But if we're going right into the season, I'm, I, I've already made this prediction. I'm going to stick by it. We're going to see the highest offensive numbers that this league has ever seen. Or I'm, I'm fully on board with that because mm-hmm. I went back to 2011 when we had okay. the lockout shortened off season. Yeah. And five, four quarterbacks came out of that season throwing for over 5,000 yards. Okay. The most that have ever done it in one season. Right. 
we had huge offensive numbers because defense, the defensive side of the ball is more of the, the chemistry side of the ball where you have to be able to trust the person next to you and behind you, and you only get those reps in practice, right. in, in preseason games. And the play calls are more complex. So, like, um, young yeah. players, like, it, it, it's easier to adapt to a new offense than it is to adapt to a new defense just because of the coverage schemes are much different in pros than they are in college football and that kind of a and when you have a defense who hasn't had the reps in practice and preseason games to gel together, you're going to see quarterbacks this year. I'm fully expecting quarterbacks and even maybe running backs this year just blow up the league with huge numbers. I'm not expecting like 2,000 yards rushing or anything like that because no, running back no. by committee. But I would not be surprised if we see five, six quarterbacks maybe throw over 5,000 yards. Oh, yeah. And that's just because the talent right now is so good at quarterback compared to even just a couple years ago. Let's pull up the the passing leaders from last year um, just to get get a reference of it. I think Uh, Mr. 30 for 30 was the only person to throw 5,000 yards last year. He was the only person? Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. He was the only person to do it. So if you think five or six is going down here. I think Mahomes got hurt, so that's. I think he definitely could hit five thousand. Mahomes uh, definitely could hit five. I mean, rushing. Where's passing? Uh, Prescott could hit five for sure. He was he was a hundred yards away this last year. Um, Matt Ryan can do five. I wouldn't be. This might be my blind lions lions bias, but I wouldn't be shocked if Stafford hits five again. Stafford was on pace to hit five thousand last season. Yeah, he was before on he pace got hurt and. And he's got like more weapons and stuff than he did last year. Um, last year, eleven players hit four thousand passing yards. Yeah, I de- and only two, four of them hit over forty five hundred yards. Okay, I'd I, say I'd say Mahomes gets it, Prescott gets it. I'd say Matt Ryan probably gets it. I don't know about Philip Rivers. Maybe he's not even with the Chargers. Where's he at now? He's in Indianapolis. But like, I don't like, I don't, I, I can't see him throwing for that many yards. Um, so yeah, Mahomes, Prescott, Ryan. I have Brady's not going to. Rogers is always uh, a threat. Rogers is always a threat. I bet when I would be surprised if Wentz did if he stays healthy. But yeah, I'd say I'd say you hit it right on the ball. I'd say you, you we're gonna see maybe five or six quarterbacks hit five thousand yards, which is gonna be exciting, and it's gonna help mm-hmm. the ratings of the game because like if there's more scoring, more people are gonna watch. Flat yeah. Out. Um, and that <laughs> in a, in, I mean, you can look at there's so many quarterbacks in this NFL now that there's not so many bad ones as there used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like it always was. Okay, who's the team that's gonna be looking for a new quarterback this off season? For the most part, majority of the teams at least have a solid quarterback in their spot. Yeah. So I definitely – I think the NFL, the quarterback situation in the NFL is probably one of the strongest that's been. Yeah, for sure. And couple that with defenses not having time to gel, I definitely think you're going to see that go way up. Mm-hmm. I would say so too. That, that And that will be exciting to watch for sure. I mean, I – Shudder to think what a guy like Lamar Jackson's going to do with defenses oh that aren't ready for him. Oh, my God. Plus, uh, I, I listened to an interview you did with Kevin Clark of the Ringer, and apparently, like, he's just been he, – he goes to bed. When he wakes up in the morning every morning, he watches the tape from that Tennessee game every morning. 
I think watching tape for like if a quarterback watches tape, it's much more impactful than if a defensive lineman's watching tape. Absolutely. Just the defensive lineman by himself is watching tape. Yeah, and he's just watching himself. He's not watching the whole field. But like, if mm-hmm. you're a quarterback and you can see your mistakes play out like that, yeah, I, I think he's got to be a lock to. He's a lock to get MVP. I'd say this year. I think between it's, him and Mahomes, either him or Mahomes, mm-hmm. I would say. So, with the preseason being shut down, this kind of also flows right into the next topic. Yeah. And how I mentioned offensive explosions this year. It's one of the three reasons why I think the Lions could be better okay. than what a lot of people are predicting them to be. Like the doom and gloom that hangs over the Lions every single season. There's three reasons why I think they could be better and three reasons why I think they could be even worse than what people okay. are expecting. Okay. So the offensive explosion is kind of number one, goes in with number one. Matthew Stafford has more weapons this year than he's had in years past. Mm-hmm. You st- They'll have carry on Johnson, whether or not he can stay healthy. Yeah. Which just, is probably a no at this point. But that's why you also added Swift to that backfield. Yeah. Even our third string running back right now, I think, is Bo Scarborough, who showed that he can be relied on in small circumstances. I think if he makes the team, he's most likely a Mike Tolbert type, where he's like a goal line back who yep. comes in like blocks a lot. But. I mean, it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt to have him. I didn't mind watching him those last couple games this, this past year. And then you look at our wide receivers. This is the last season I think we're going to have these wide receivers on the books with Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola. Yeah. Um, I don't think you were going to see them come back, but you still have Kenny Galladay. You're expecting T.J. Hawkinson to take a step up. Uh-huh. Maybe Jesse James can actually even do a little bit more as a second string tight end than he did last year. Yeah. So I'm expecting the Lions offense and they've spent a lot of resources this off season with draft picks and signings into the offensive line. You know, it's been the sore spot for many years. Maybe this is the year it finally comes together, but our offense, I think could easily be, especially with this whole shortened off season. Stafford's been working out with almost any, every guy on the offense already that they're going to come in pretty well gelled, definitely more gelled than any defense is going to come in. In Stafford, I'm expecting, if he stays healthy the whole season, we'll put up MVP-like numbers. I would say he's the favorite to win comeback player of the year right now. Oh, and easily. I think, one, I think that's one of the reasons why they um, why they, why, why they have a chance to be better than they were last year, because I think that he – he has like the motivation and he has a better, he has, he's been thinking, you know, he's, he's a guy who loves football. I mean, a lot of guys love football, but I mean, he's been, he's been thinking about playing for this team ever since his back went out. And I think that, um, I think he's got, I think Gaude is becoming a top 10 receiver in the league. I think having Marvin Jones as a deep ball threat, I think having Amendola as that little, as a little slot back has been great. I expect TJ Hawkinson to take a step forward. And we haven't even mentioned his name yet, but DeAndre Swift, I think, is a whole new piece of the mm-hmm. offense in terms of what he did at Georgia, where he's able to catch the ball out of the backfield and run out of the backfield. Um, I like to I saw a couple guys in the draft call him a poor man's Alvin Kamara, which I think could be a perfect use of perfect fit. Because um I think this team has really missed a Theo Riddick a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think having just having a guy to be able to pass you out of the backfield and make cuts and, and get and make a two yard gain, an eight yard gain, 
I think that it's so valuable. I think this Swift can be that guy. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Why don't you go grab your charger? Yep. Okay. Sorry, I was was looking over at my laptop and like all of a sudden (laughs) I had like ten ten minutes of battery left. See, I was that guy who who didn't buy into the hype of the Lakers store manager when he was like, "You should get an Apple. It's two thousand dollars." I was like, "No, I'll take the Dell. That's six hundred bucks." And now <laughs> it is. It's it is it. If my Dell were an NBA player, my Dell would be Kyle Korver looking to get a ring at this point. So, um, so you're good with the timestamp and everything. Yep, you're all set. Yep. Okay. Um. So yeah, I think I think adding DeAndre Swift is great. I think him and Carrion can be a good one-two punch in the backfield, good compliments for each other. Um, and I think it's 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 underrated that Stafford could actually have a running game now. You know, mm-hmm. we we've watched way too many Lions games where Stafford has had to complete third and tens and third and twelves and third and thirteens just because the running game has just been an absolute zero or even worse than that on first and second down. But I think seeing Stafford in these situations where it's third and five, third and four. And now that he's had a whole year under his belt with Bevel as the offensive coordinator, I feel really good about what this team is going to look like on offense. Um, the one concern I have is I I don't I don't trust almost anybody on the defense, and so I, I guess mm-hmm. that can be that can be one of our first one of my first of like why the Lions are going to be worse this year because Patricia came in as this like defensive guru from New England who led them with all these Super Bowl defenses, and I just haven't seen it. I haven't, I haven't seen, seen it either. I mean, I mean, that, that Jets game, that very first game that Patricia mm. had, players were calling out coverages of Patricia. And, like, like they were calling out what the Lions were going to do on defense at the Lions scrimmage. Like, I, I think that the defense is too predictable. They rely on man coverage way too much. You, I, I love Justin Coleman just as much as the next Lions fan, but we rely on him way too much mm-hmm. in spot coverage. Um, it's I, – I don't – you know, I, I look at our defense and I, and I say – is there anybody on this defense who could come even close to a Pro Bowl nod? And the one guy that I have is Trey Flowers, and that's and that's it. My uh, number one for me on why the Lions could be really bad this season is the unproven secondary. Yeah. Because, sure. yes, we brought in Okuda, set, drafted him third round or third overall pick, highest drafted cornerback in years. It is one of the hardest positions to transfer from over college to the NFL. You're playing against guys who are faster, stronger, bigger. I think it actually goes bigger, stronger, faster is how everyone always says it. I went out of order. Anyways, Slay even struggled. And Slay was turned into an all-star by the time he left the Lions. Slay in his first season was getting benched for guys like Rasheen Mathis and Chris Houston. That was back when he wore number 30, remember? Yeah. And you always came on the field like, oh, Slay's in the field. And then he just gave up a big play. It's like, oh, damn it. But, like, that was, like, that's just the learning curve that every NFL cornerback goes through. I mean, Jeff Okuda, Jeff Okuda was trying to guard financial planners on, a, on Iowa's team, and now he's going to have to go up against, you know, they play week one. They play the, I think they play the Packers early on. He's going to play – he's going to have to guard Devontae Adams the whole game. Yep. Like, that's, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be tough for him. And I think it's nice that he has Desmond Trufant there in the in the cornerback room to help him out and to give him some guidance. But it he's dealt with really... injuries the last few years. Yeah, exactly. And and you you know you look at I think Tracy Walker is probably your candidate for most improved player on the team itself. Um, I like I liked what he did in little spurts before he got hurt this past season, especially in that controversial Packers loss at Lambeau. I thought he looked really really good in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I. I 
I don't know almost anything about Deron Harmon or J. Ron Curse. Um, J. Ron Curse, when he was in the Vikings, I saw he mostly just played special teams. Yep. Uh, I I feel about Miles Killebrew the same way that I feel about Jared Davis, where it's like if they're running in a straight line and told to tackle somebody, I feel good about them. But anything beyond that, I have no trust in them whatsoever. I forgot Killebrew was even on this team, to be honest. Still. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's listed as their second string free, free safety. So he's and with the with that with the way NFL injuries work, he's gonna play some games. Mm-hmm. He, he might start a few games this, which scares me as a Lions fan, honestly. But in my notes, like I even like you brought up Justin Coleman, liking Justin <laughs> Coleman. Justin Coleman is a guy you want in the slot. You don't yeah. want him bouncing outside to cover the number one receiver. You want no, him kind of roaming not. the middle of the field. But with so what's what's with Trufan out there, who's dealt with in, he's missed fourteen games in the last four seasons. Yeah. You have Okuda if he struggles. Yeah. You have Amani. I'm going to mess up his last name. Oru, Oruwarie. That. Oruwarie. It's exactly, <laughs> how, it looks. It's exactly <laughs> how it looks, I think. Yeah. He, was, he's, he played in nine games last year with two interceptions, but he's still unproven. Who, if, if any of these guys struggle, you're going to have to bounce Justin Coleman to the outside where he's going to struggle. And then the depth beyond that is so poor. They even the depth is so bad, but they still moved Jamal Agnew over to the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Instead of letting him play cornerback, because they know that's a lost cause there. Yeah. Uh, I'm really worried about this secondary. I, I, I want to see what Will Harris, how Will Harris improves. In yeah. Safety. He was a third round pick a couple years ago. I I think that he could kind of be settling in soon at this point. I don't think he's going to be anywhere near starting this season, but I want to see if, if he's the one depth guy that I'd be interested in looking at if he if we need to if we need to use him at some point. But yeah, this yeah our secondary really worries me going into next season, especially with this whole COVID pushing back yeah. preseason, canceling OTAs, potentially doing some messing up training camps. That could really look really bad to start the season, and we could see the Lions down twenty-one to zero before the first quarter even ends. With yeah, that, that's, that could be that could be bad. That yeah. could be bad. And I don't, I don't, I feel the same way. And this is going to be one of the points that I was going to bring up about defense. But I feel really bad about the defensive line. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers, the only guy I feel, I feel good about. There was a really good article that was by Chris Burke in um, The Athletic, where he, like, watched all of Trey, Trey Flowers' tape. And um, there were a lot, of, a lot of times that Trey Flowers, like, was just a half second away from a sack. And he just, like, like towards the end of the season, he was actually, like, ninth in the league in QB pressures and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, think we, I think we could see a massive step up from Trey Flowers this, this next season if, he's, if he stays healthy. But, like, I, don't, I think our defensive tackles look as bad as they've been since before Sue. Um, like, Danny Shelton, I'm, I'm serious. Danny yeah. Shelton and Nick Williams are starting. Like I, I, I don't, I don't trust Danny Shelton. He's been bounced from the Browns and the Patriots. I don't like. Uh, yeah, he's working with Patricia, but like, what is working with Patricia proved for any of these guys so far? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, 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 Deshaun Hand could be good if he stays healthy, but uh, there's too many guys in this defense who is like, if they stay healthy, they're going to be good. Like, yep. there's too many guys we have to add that qualifier to, and I don't like that. Yeah, that I mean, I love Deshaun Hand his rookie season, but I think he played in like two, maybe three games last season. 
Yeah. And this entire defensive line even and, and linebackers, if we're being honest, I don't see us getting a lot of pressure and a lot of sacks. No, no, at all. definitely not. Uh, this is a prove it. This is a contract season for Jared Davis. So maybe he improves in some, in some aspect because he's going to about to get paid. But I really liked what I saw out of July to last season. I think mm-hmm. he just, I think he should just be our starting middle linebacker and we should just make Jared Davis a pass rush specialist at this point. I um, agree with that. Uh, I'm interested to see what Jamie Collins does. Uh, maybe him working with Trey Flowers is like coming from the same side and working together in past years. Maybe that'll do something. But he is also coming off a career high in both sacks and interceptions. That is good. So that is good. But I mean, I mean you brought in um, Julian Julian or Aqu- yeah Quara. Yeah. I, I had the name and just it like hit the tip of my tongue right. and just went. Bleh. But um. He's coming in from Notre Dame. He's also dealing with injuries. Yeah. There's just too many qualifiers on this defense to make me ever feel good about it. No, no, I don't feel good about this defense at all. I think we're going to have one of the worst defenses in the NFL this year. And there's a lot of young guys who haven't played together and they're not going to get time to play together. And so I just think we're going to be giving up 20, 25 to 35 points a game. I'd say I, I, I have no trust in this defense. Which kind of goes into my second point why the Lions could also be really, really bad this season. The beginning of their schedule, their first five games, or four games against the Bears, the Packers, the Cardinals, and the Saints. We know the Packers and the Saints. We know what they can do. The Bears are a huge question mark. They still have a decent defense. And maybe Trubisky or Foles can get that offense going. They, uh, if it's Trubisky, if it's Trubisky, we win that game. <laughs> if, it's, if it's Trubisky, we win that game. If it's Stafford versus Trubisky, Stafford's going to annihilate him. And then the Cardinals have made some pretty big moves this offseason to try to get into contention in that NFC West. The Lions very well could start out this season 0-4. Oh, yeah, very much so. And then at that point, with the new ownership, do they look at firing him in the middle of the season? At Patricia? Yeah. I don't know. I does I feel do like they, they would have gotten the... rid of Patricia this off season if they were going to get rid of him. I don't think. Have we ever? Have we in our lifetime have the have the Ford regime ever fired a coach mid season? They haven't they fired a coach, but they fired Martin Mayhew in the middle of the season. Yeah, and it's been widely publicized that Quinn and Patricia are a package deal. If one of them goes, the other is going to go. Yeah. Does Quinn get fired in the middle of the season? And is that then also force Patricia out the door if this Lions team starts off the season 0-4? I think, yeah, I could see that. Um, but, I mean, if you, get, if you get through that stretch and you end up 2-2, two and two, oh, yeah. then you, you go into the bye week, you face Jacksonville, you face Atlanta, you face the Colts with who knows what Phillip Rivers is going to be like. You face the Washington professional football team. The Panthers are going to be a dumpster fire because they have a rookie head coach and a lot of young players. So they're going to have no time to develop them this season. Um, you know, Minnesota is going to be tough. Texans are going to be tough. Tennessee is going to be tough. But you could you could be 500 going into Thanksgiving. It's not crazy. Mm-hmm. 
And then at that point, I think Patricia keeps his job. But I don't know, man. I I don't – how do you feel about is, – is Patricia your third reason why the Lions are going to struggle this season? Patricia has always kind of been one of the reasons the Lions are going to struggle. I'm not – someone coming in as a defensive guru, they've poured – money and draft picks into that defense and nothing's been really changed in fact it's probably gotten worse since he's joined yeah and the good players we did have on defense he kind of alienated them away from the team yeah yeah and it it's it it makes me feel like shouldn't it be a red flag that every player who leaves the lions is like oh yeah patricia's a dick like every player has pretty much they haven't said like those words exactly yeah. But like Slay, Snacks, uh, I think Glover I think Quinn, guy, yeah, Glover Quinn, uh, like Devin Kennard said something too. Like they all said that like it's a weird culture over there, mm-hmm. which is like we all know what that means. Like Patricia's a dick. Patricia's a dick. They they they, they he came in. They had outdoor practices in the rain and like all this stuff in and the like, snow when they were going they, to play in made, a dome. He made players do sprints after practice. Like I like this isn't this isn't high school football anymore. You don't need to assert your dominance here. You're coaching grown men. Like mm-hmm. you don't need to like I think this whole time he's been doing a bad impression of Bill Belichick and he hasn't had the wins to 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 be like, Oh, you gotta buy into this. Because like, even though like it's well publicized this. that Bill Belichick is also a dick. Yeah, exactly. He wins. Yeah. And you're okay to be a dick if you win, but Patricia's not winning. No. You know? And some of the he's Indian kind of like uh, Tom yeah. Coughlin at the end of his time with the New York Giants. Yeah, when yeah. they weren't doing so hot either, and a lot of players were getting vocal about that. The the in-game stuff he does towards the end, wasting timeouts, and how he play he always plays man coverage. He never switches it up. He always plays man coverage. Which like, if you ever played Madden against somebody and they play man coverage. You, we, we know from playing Madden how to beat that. It's routes over the middle. It's quick passes. It's mm-hmm. all just like defensive, offensive coordinators in the NFL. Guess what? They're smarter than we are, and they're <laughs> gonna figure that stuff out. Like, they, like, I don't understand how he's just like, oh, we're gonna do man coverage just because that's what we do and that's what our brand is. There's no brand with the Lions. There's no, you don't have to do something different. You he's know? trying to play old school football in new era times. You have new expectations. Throw the house at people on blitzes. Run zone packages. Switch up your switch up your schemes. This is a young defense with a lot of weak spots, so you have to use unique schemes to cover up those weak spots. It's one not of that my, hard. Yeah, one of my favorite things I saw last or earlier this week was it was about the Lions' offense and how. Um, they were one of the teams that ran on first and 10 every time. One of the few teams that like ran majority of the time on first and 10. Yeah. And then would try it again to run on second and 10. Mm-hmm. And then finally, yeah, like you mentioned earlier, Stafford then is being faced with a third and 10, third and 11, whatever, third and even nine, third and eight. And he's such the old school established the run game to make the pass game where the NFL nowadays is establish the passing game to establish your run game. Yeah. He's, it's almost like he's doing everything backwards. And you watch, and I, I know you can't expect to be the best when you have a new regime coming in, but like when you see stuff that Kyle Shanahan's doing with the 49ers, mm-hmm. he's like doing cool packages and sending his fullbacks in motion 
and doing packages where it's like wide receiver screens to the other side of the field and screens with Kittle and doing all these weird stuff and stuff that works in the Super Bowl. I want to bring in a young guy who can do something like that. I want to, I want something different. I want, I'm, I'm sick of just going in and getting a, a guy who looks and sounds like a football coach to be our football coach. I think that that's, that hasn't worked with Patricia and I would honestly be shocked if he still has a job at the end of the season. I would be shocked too, because I'm not expecting I, the I, Lions to be much better than maybe five and ten, six and ten, or five and eleven, six and five, ten 11, right six now. 10. Yeah, I would say that's right the sweet spot where they're going to be, and I think if they finish there, then then Patricia's gone. Oh, that's already been said that if they don't have a winning season, Patricia and Quinn are both the playoffs, gone. If they if they if they're not if they're not on the if they're not on the graphic of the in the hunt graphic in December, if they're not on that, he's gone. Which then brings up they, the question. Yeah. Do you bring in a yet another head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator? Oh my god. On a team with Matthew Stafford now starting to reach not the end of his career. He's not there yet. Yeah. But starting to reach that midpoint of his career. Are you yeah. willing to keep him around while you bring in another whole new regime when the hot thing in the NFL to do has been bring in a new regime and give that regime their quarterback? I I don't think you get rid of Stafford. I think you I think you um, I think you run that well until the oil's dry. Honestly, I think you get I I don't think you get rid of Stafford. I'm, I don't think I'm a Stafford slappy. I'm a Stafford apologist. Yeah, I think he's I a top think ten quarterback. Of, I, don't I don't think, think you ever. I don't think you get rid of him for the next three, four, five years. I think I think to have that, and I don't want to start over with a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's I don't think it's worthwhile. I don't think we have a good enough team around us to start out with a rookie quarterback. Because the reason why it works for all these teams like San Francisco is because they have the pieces in place and we don't have those pieces in place. So I think that, you know, I think if a new regime comes in, they can say, oh, look at what I can do with Stafford. He's mm-hmm. thrown 5,000-yard seasons a couple of times. He's proven that he doesn't need to just throw it up to Calvin to be a good quarterback. Like, if you bring in a guy like Lincoln Riley, I think that's where this offense needs to – this and give him the pieces that Stafford has this year – I think that's where progress can be made in terms of in terms of a coach. But I mean, I, I think if I think if Patricia has a losing record this year, he's done. Mm-hmm. I would say. And that and, that goes into my one of my reasons why I think the Lions could be good, is because it is such a do or die situation season this year. Yeah, it has been publicized that if they don't have a winning season this year, Patricia's gone. He knows he's coaching for his job right now, and just like with players on their Final season, final season of their contracts. When coaches start to know that seat's getting warm and that seat's already hot, yeah, you might see him finally just like snap and put a good football team on the field. I'm not very hopeful for it. It's a reason why they could be better than what I'm expecting. Yeah, but I, I was not really encouraged watching last year at all that that's going to happen. No, no. And part of me almost wants to keep, and I know they're a package deal, but part of me almost wants to keep Quinn and, and ditch Patricia. Like, I think Quinn's done a solid job. He's I think done Quinn is- a solid job. I think his biggest problem was he was given a coach right off the bat that he didn't want uh-huh. with Caldwell, even though I think they should have probably rode it out with Caldwell a little more. Probably, yeah. I think our problem there was our offensive coordinator – more than it was with Caldwell, but you have, I think, 
I he's some of his draft picks have been great. Just like any general manager, though, he's had his fair share of bad ones. And I think his bad ones outweigh more of his good ones right now. Okay. Like, Jared Davis, that's not a first-round draft pick. Cheese Tabor, that was, that's, a, that's a legendary mistake. We don't draft players from Florida anymore. <laughs> no, no. Uh He's t- but I mean, he's made. A, I think he's made a lot of solid, like third, fourth round selections. Yeah. I mean, he Galladay. Drafted, he drafted Galladay. He drafted uh, Tracy Walker in that third, fourth, like third round area. Will Harris. Um, I like what I've. Uh, I thought Frank Ragnow has been awesome mm-hmm. as a as a as a as a guard center. I think that's the guy who should be. I think that's your most likely Pro Bowler right there is Frank Ragnow. I would agree on that. I think he's going to be the, one of the top five centers coming in this next decade. He was this like the decade. second. I think Pro Football Focus said he was like the, the by the end of the year he was like the fifth or sixth best pass blocking guard in the league or something mm-hmm. like that. Like he just like did hasn't allowed a sack in like twenty seven years or whatever. Like he's just yeah, he's solid, and I think um, he's gonna. It's gonna be really nice to have him next to uh, the rookies like Jonah Jackson and uh, Logan, uh, the crazy guy from Kentucky, uh, <laughs> to, to, um, to like coach them up a little bit. So you uh, think both those rookie guards are going to start? No, I think one of them starts and one of them doesn't. I'd say Joe Dahl starts at left guard. I think just with – I think, A, I think Joe Dahl's proven he's a capable NFL lineman. And, B, I don't think I, – I, the rookies are going to be behind this season flat out because mm-hmm. they haven't been – they've everything they've done so far has been virtual. And so I bet only one of them starts, and I bet it's probably Jackson because Sten, Sternberg just – I don't know, man. That guy – that guy – have you seen the stories about him? He I is, haven't yet, no. But he is cut from a different cloth, that guy. <laughs> he is he, – he is – we all played football with a guy who was literally had a couple screws loose. That guy, he is – yeah, he he led the NCAA in penalties this past season. Wonderful, oh, that's what Lions yeah. need. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, he 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 gave an interview recently where he said he wants to go out in the field and kill people every time he goes out there. So like, I mean, it's good if you're a lineman to like yeah. you want to. I'd rather it be that than be like I want us to all be friends and have fun and have a picnic during this game. But hey, I don't know. He he makes me nervous. <laughs> He makes me nervous. I, I don't want him to re- retire with a couple of concussions. I'll just put it at that. Um, <laughs> uh, the, yeah, but the offensive line makes me nervous. Uh, I don't trust – I don't know how you feel about Taylor Decker, but I don't trust him at all. I see I Taylor I, Decker as a net even from a Riley Reef, who I also okay. saw as a net even from Jeff Backus. Yeah. Somebody Jeff who's Backus, – Jeff Backus is better than Taylor Decker was, I would say. Jeff I think Backus Jeff Backus towards the end of his career, though, was yeah. more of a, like, yeah. I don't think Riley Reef was much of an improvement over old Jeff Backus. No. And I don't think Taylor Decker's been an improvement over Riley Reef. No. And the new the new right tackle, I just don't, like, um, Cal Vitae. I, I mean, I guess he was on the Super Bowl run and got some snaps in there, but I, I don't know makes me nervous that like he really hasn't started in the NFL until now. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's kind of a red flag. Um, but, but I mean, he's gotta be an improvement over, over Wagner Wagner. By the time he was, he was done last year. Like he was, he's cooked. Mm-hmm. He is cooked. The Packers are going to, I can't wait to see that Packers game when Trey flowers beats, beats the crap out of him. <laughs> that's going to be awesome. Uh, but 
And even the depth on the edges is awful. Yeah. I mean, you got Tyrell Crosby, who hasn't progressed since he's joined the Lions. Yeah. And then you have, like, Dan Skipper, the 6'10 left tackle. Yeah. Um, His only... Bo Benchwell still on the team. Uh, Ode Obushi is decent. Tyler, Tyler Crosby, yeah, I don't know. He's not he's not bad, but not it's nobody that you feel good about in that yeah. depth. There's nobody. There, and there's not even besides um, Ragnow. There's no one on that offensive line. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, this is good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Um, but yeah, I, maybe maybe with. And maybe with maybe Swift can can maybe Swift doesn't need a great offensive line to succeed. Maybe he can be explosive on his own. There's always a chance for that. The offensive lines with Barry Sanders were god awful. I'm not calling Swift Barry Sanders, but if he can be 60% of that, we're gonna be fine. When uh, they drafted Swift, the first thing that went into my mind was this is a wasted draft pick because we don't have an offensive line to have a sustainable running game. Yeah. And I really hope I'm wrong. I like Swift. I think he would do great on a team that had a decent offensive line, not even a good one, just a decent yeah. one, but the Lions aren't that. Yeah, no. And I don't see him having a very – I don't see him having a great first season if he makes it through the whole season because this offensive line, I think, is just going to get people injured. Yeah. I can see that. I I I don't know. I've been yeah. The the right side makes me more nervous than the left mm-hmm. with Jackson and Vitae. But yeah, it, it, we're probably we're probably gearing up for another depressing Lions season, and we're probably gearing up to have a couple of Stafford comebacks and a couple of Galladay 150 200 yard performances, maybe a couple of Trey Flowers three sacks games, and that's gonna be it. Yep, I think. The sadly. My third reason why the Lions could be good, this is the last one I have, is last year we played in a lot of close games. We mm-hmm. had 10 games, which we led going into the fourth quarter, and one game where we tied, of course, the first game of the season last year. Yeah. It's the Cardinals. And they finished those games 3-7-1. and one. Yeah. Now, typically, when you, you don't have the, – the, the spread doesn't look that bad, typically, for other NFL teams. Uh-huh. And so maybe this year they figure out how to close the end of a game when they're in a close game like that. Maybe. I'm not very hopeful on that. No, me neither. So last thing I want to talk about before we sign off is this is something that's gone around. The NBA has announced that they're going to put the Jumpman logo on all of the NBA jerseys, which... At, at, when you first look at it, it doesn't seem that bad. Michael Jordan is that his silhouette, and probably still at this point, one number either for you, he's number one or number two best player in NBA history. Absolutely. And you know, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. They're commemorating one of their best players. The problem is, just coming off of this last dance that they put out, he still holds a lot of hate for the Pistons. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a yeah. lot of hate for them. And the Pistons have to now wear the Michael Jordan logo on their jerseys after their fierce competitive rivalry back in the late 80s, early 90s. 
this is a really interesting topic. What are your thoughts on it, Kellen? I, I I don't know. I don't really mind it. I think I I think you know. I think the bad boys, in a sense, I've kind of come around on the bad boys a little bit, where I think they need to get over themselves a little bit in terms of the guys who like I, they won two titles and they were great and everything, mm-hmm. but like Jordan's one of the best athletes we're ever gonna see in sports ever, and. It, um, we've all like from Jordan's perspective, I totally understand why he thinks the Pistons are a dick. We've all played a team, whether it's an intramural <laughs> sports or in high school or in college that like was overly physical and was a bad boy and used their, and used their tough reputation as a disguise for just being dicks and being jerks and being dirty. And that's kind of what the Pistons did. So like, I don't really mind it. It, it, it confuses me. The timing of it's a little confusing. Like why? Like why is it Jordan on the logo? Why is Jordan on the jerseys and not Kobe? Like that. That's a little like Jordan didn't die. Jordan didn't do anything. He just we, the last dance just came out. But it ultimately makes sense to honor him on the alternate jerseys. I guess. Makes and that's sense. the thing is it didn't get it didn't really get pushed out there in the headlines and the the app notifications from ESPN and all that. This is an alternate jersey that they're gonna wear in big pivotal games yeah we're pistons fans we're not going to be playing in a lot of those games <laughs> yeah and they they, they 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 undoubtedly put the logo on the pistons ugliest jersey too oh yeah yeah yeah. That, those gray jerseys are the oh, i hate those gray jerseys. jerseys are so they're so bad they're so bad they're why is there not an an aqua alternate like the old the old school horse logo give me back the teal with yeah the teal with that horse logo if the Jazz can bring back the the Purple Mountains, we can bring back the horse logo. Like we can, we gotta make that happen. So, I just thought this was a really funny thing. And yesterday on uh, Big Drew and Jim ninety six one, they were talking awesome. about other players that if their image was put on different Detroit teams, what would be the equivalent to Jordan being put on the Pistons jersey? Probably Rogers on the Lions jerseys. That's what one of them was because it yeah. came down to Rodgers or Favre, and everyone hates Aaron Rodgers more than they ever hated Brett Favre. I think Favre had a little bit of respect from Lions fans for some weird reason, whereas Aaron Rodgers is just so easy to hate because he's a douche. He just, he just didn't he? Isn't he just divorcing with, or he's not? He's not going to be dating Danny Patrick anymore. Who knows what's going on with that? Well, it's it's the time of year where Aaron Rodgers is single now. He always just conveniently happens to be single every summer, which is like, <laughs> wow, that's crazy how the timing works there, huh? Yeah, but, um, but yeah, it definitely came down to Aaron Rodgers on a Aaron Rodgers or a ref shirt on a Lions jersey. Yeah, the um, Jim Joyce on a Tigers jer- Tigers jersey. Maybe maybe like um, who would it be? The first guy that came to mind was like Paul Konerko for the White Sox, somebody mm. like that, where it's like they just they just hit, they just trounced the Tigers for so long. Um, I I did like Jim Joyce though for the Tigers being the guy yeah. who took away the perfect game. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was a funny one. And then um, I'm not a I'm not a Wings fan. I don't know much about hockey at all to even know. But Sidney Crosby was a name that came up. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Patrick Roy was also a name that came up. Yeah. So I think that's I think it's funny I think it's interesting like you said the timing of Jordan having his logo put on the Pistons jersey. I don't think it's something that's really that big of a deal. It's a money move. They'll yeah. try to sell more jerseys now, but oh, yeah. at least 
It's the Jumpman logo on a basketball uniform and not a Jumpman logo on a U of M football jersey. Yeah. I still hate that one. For a, for a I, U of M team that's going to go 9-4 and four and not win any big games and lose their bowl game by three touchdowns. I still hate game. the fact that they put a basketball player's logo on a football jersey, but this yeah. besides the point. Yeah, yeah. At least with, at least with it going on. Yeah. Yeah. Then on a high note, sports are back. Sports yeah. are back. Baseball starts tomorrow. I and got noticed the NBA on my starts... phone yesterday was like Schoon doubled to Schoon doubled to left center and Goodrum scored. The Tigers are up six to four. Like when was the last time you got scored notification? I got this phone? I got the notification too yeah. that hey the Tigers lost. <laughs> but Yeah, it's like oh things are normal now. <laughs> things are yeah. normal. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Baseball's back and this week. Baseball um, Tigers back Friday. next week. Basketball basketball starts next Thursday. There's I'm right after this. I'm probably gonna go watch the scrimmage that they have on NBA TV of the Clippers and the Magic. Like sports are back. Sports Let's are be back. Happy. Let's be happy. Even though all of our teams are gonna be bad, I'm interested in all of them because oh yeah, oh yeah. This last you always have four or five yeah. months has not been fun without any sports. No, even just no. like I I I'm ready for and the big thing I'm ready for sports to come back for is the people that work in sports to finally be able to get back to working in sports. Oh yeah. When that all happened, like our sports director at our station, she's been basically a glorified reporter. Yeah. For this whole thing. Same with our, same with our reporters. And they, she doesn't like it. She hates it. Yeah. So I'm excited to see those people get back into work. Absolutely. In sports. Be nice. Yeah. So and I'm I'm ready to start applying to work in sports again. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I can't wait to finally like apply for a sports job and to not be like, oh, the sports here might not be happening. But, yeah. Yeah. So the light is starting to kind of shine at the end of the tunnel. A little okay. bit. Yeah, yeah. We're getting closer, hopefully, towards the end of this uh, whole virus. Yes, yes. But it's been great talking to you. Great talking uh, to you too. Great catching up. For yeah, sure. great catching up. Anything you need to want to plug? Facebooks, Instagrams, uh, Twitters. I don't know. Um, let's see. Uh, read, read the Lanthorn. It's gonna come out. We're gonna have our new issue coming out August 10th. Uh, we made international news earlier this year, mm -hmm. so uh, you know, we're. I don't know. I guess we're kind of a big deal now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, read the Lanthorn. Support local journalism. Uh, Fox 17. You can find my online stories there. And yeah. Pretty much, yeah. And All right, Kellen. I'll be watching sports. Let's watch some sports. Let's watch some sports. Let's watch some sports. It's been great talking to you. Great we'll talking to you soon. as well. Enjoy and your shifts. Yeah, today. yeah, so yeah. Now I get to go to work. One of your last few shifts in Florida. I have the day off, so I'm oh. I'm chilling. But yeah, I once weekend hits, I'll go right back into it. But mm. yeah. well, nice talking to you. Hope to catch up great soon. To you as well. Once we're in Michigan, once bars start opening back up, For we'll sure. go get you your For official twenty sure. first first drink for sure for sure that sounds great that sounds great hope you guys enjoyed that conversation it was real nice catching up with kellen after not talking for almost a year just catching up and being able to talk about sports especially in today's climate that was really really nice to do um coming up soon like i said in the intro we'll have a poll podcast about the move and that process i'm working on i'm working on something for that one so hopefully that's coming soon but in the meantime thank you guys for watching um you can Watch this on YouTube. You can listen to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And wherever you listen to it, 
leave a thumbs up, leave five stars, and I will see you guys all next time.